we have a, uh, a special guest speaker this morning who I'm really, really excited that is here with us. Uh, and just as a little bit of an introduction, a few years ago, I went through a really hard season in life. I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced something similar to that. I went through a place where I was kind of questioning a lot of things in my faith and what I was doing with my life. And I was sitting at my desk one day thinking like, I, I think I want to give up. I'm tired of everything that I do. And there was this book on my desk that I honestly to this day don't know how it got there. Um, I think someone gave it to me or dropped it on my desk. I'm not really sure. And, but the title of it stood out to me. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. So I took it home and I read it. And for about a year, I read a chapter a day from that book, uh, really short chapters. And that book had a serious impact on me. It, in a way, it kind of changed my life because um, the book, it talked about a lot of the hard things that we go through, and then it gave us tips and, and uh, advice for dealing with those things. But the thing that I liked the most about that book is that it was written from such a relatable standpoint. I could totally feel like the author had been through the same things I had been through. Um, and then that author is Bob Santos, who is here with us this morning to share. And um, I actually got the opportunity to meet him uh, about a month ago or so in real life. And uh, in the conversations I had with him, I realized kind of the same thing, that he's very, very smart, um, and he knows a lot about what he's talking about. But more importantly, you get the feeling that he is somebody who has walked through it. And what he's talking about is not, um, he's not faking it. He's not just giving you good ideas. He has really been there. He's been through it. He has dealt with some of that stuff. And so that's why it was such a good book, and I'm so excited for what he has to share. Uh, it Just as a reminder, we are talking this month about, um, we're talking this month about uh, freedom and uh, about living free. And so this, this week we're focusing on, um, what's it focusing on? Disappointment. <laughs> Disappointment. Freedom, disappointment. Freedom from disappointment. So that's what he'll be sharing this morning. Bob, come Thanks, with us. Ben. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Well, I want to thank Pastor Chris for a really uh, depressing month. Uh, he asked me to talk about disappointment, so I sat down to list all of the major disappointments of my life, and I ran out of paper. <laughs> Not really, but it seemed like it. Um, no, it's exciting to be here, and... Uh, most of you probably don't know anything about me, so I'll just give you the five-minute tour. Uh, I am from western Pennsylvania. I've been there all my life. Go Steelers. And I didn't go over. <laughs> that goes over much better at home. Um, but the Bills seem like they had a good draft. I don't know if you like their new quarterback or not, but we'll see how he works out. So anyway, uh, I attended Indiana University of Pennsylvania. It's a state school. Uh, I know it's confusing. Indiana, Pennsylvania is actually where I live. It's the uh, birthplace of Jimmy Stewart, the actor. Uh, he's our claim to fame. We have a little museum you can come and visit if you want. But uh, I went to IUP, studied chemistry, ended up, uh, God got a hold of my life during that season, and uh, it's never been the same since. I met my wife, Debbie, uh, through a Christian fellowship there, and, and we got married, and we just decided to stay in the community. Uh, we've got, uh, she's not here with me this morning, she has to hold down a full-time job so she can support my ministry habit, as we like to say. We have two grown kids who we really like, they're smarter than we are, they move further south, 
So they're down in um, Virginia and North Carolina. Uh, no grandkids yet. We have a grand dog, but it's not the same, I can tell you that. <laughs> so after, uh, after I graduated, I worked for about 15 years as a chemist for a local coal company. And uh, during that time, we started working with college students. We had been super involved in our church all through those years and felt that I had a call to pastoral ministry and just never, we hit a point where it just didn't seem like it was God. So we ended up working with college students. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with BASIC, Brothers and Sisters in Christ, which is the ministry of Elam Fellowship. Uh, we served with that for various capacities for quite a few years. Eventually, I left my career in chemistry, and I did college ministry full-time. And during that season, I had developed some Bible study materials that we just saw a lot of fruit from. We saw a lot of lives changed. And I felt like some of those principles and truths needed to go to a broader audience that we were reaching. And I just couldn't figure out how to get it done. And so we decided to start our own ministry, which was one of the smartest, stupidest things I think I've ever done. Uh, so in 2006, we incorporated Search for Me Ministries, and the vision of the ministry is to help grow people essentially into spiritual maturity so that they can honor God and be more effective in service. And in doing that, uh, I developed teaching materials, uh, videos, uh, mainly books right now. Uh, I'm not here to sell books, but just to give you an idea of what we've done, uh, The Divine Progression of Grace is... Uh, probably the meatiest book that we've done, which it looks at grace from a unique angle. I'm not here to, to just reinvent the wheel. I, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing, but there are issues that I think need to be addressed in a, in a different way or in a better way, or maybe issues that don't get enough attention. So the Divine Progression of Grace is one, and then I also did the Touchpoint, which is an introduction to the Bible with a relational emphasis to it. And then the one that Beth, Ben was talking about uh, was Champions in the Wilderness, which is uh, essentially a devotional to help us navigate a wilderness experience, which we all go through, and I'm going to talk a little today, what I share about kind of relates to that. And then my last one was Say Goodbye to Regret, which is really a book about wisdom, about laying hold of God's wisdom. So this is what I'm doing. My next project will be out here in another month or two. It's called From Glory to Glory, Finding Real Significance in an Image-Driven World, and it'll be another devotional about identity. One of the things that I like to do is connect the dots so that we can see the big picture of how everything fits together. And I think that we've got some, um, some real problems in the church in that we tend to compartmentalize things and we don't see how they relate to one another. And so what I want to do this morning is I talk about this appointment. I want to start by looking at the big picture and seeing a purpose for disappointment. And then I'll talk a little bit about how we can process uh, disappointing times. So let's, let's pray and invite the Lord to work here. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, Father, to be here, to be at this, uh, this great place with these great people. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness that's already been proclaimed through the worship. And Lord, we, we just surrender ourselves to you. We give you the freedom to be God in our lives. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would invite, invade, Lord God, the, uh, the broken places of our lives, that you would invade the areas where we've been discouraged, where hopelessness has set in, where we've doubted you, Father God. 
We give you this time, Lord. We ask that you would work and do an amazing thing in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we, when we don't see the big picture, when we don't recognize how the parts fit together, we can really uh, have some disappointing or, or big struggles as a result of it. In the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, Jesus was talking about persecution. And he says this in, in verse 1, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. And essentially what he was saying is, as you guys are my servants, and he's talking to his disciples, but I think this applies to all of us, he's saying as you guys go out and fulfill the, the call that I've given you, you are going to find yourself uh, ostracized by other people. And I want you to understand that now so that when it happens, you don't stumble. And the idea here is of stumbling is that we stumble in our faith, where we begin to doubt God's goodness, we begin to think that maybe he doesn't care, maybe he isn't faithful, maybe he doesn't have our back, maybe we've gone too far off the deep end with our sin or something like that, and we, we, that causes us then to get tripped up. And so Jesus was warning them and saying that when, these, when this adversity hits you, don't be surprised. It's going to happen. Prepare yourself to deal with it. Sometimes we have a tendency of getting offended by God when things don't work out in our lives the way that we think they should. Anybody ever been there? That you had an expectation, you had a thought, you really, man, this is the way it's going to go, and, and you put you know, all your, your confidence in that, and then it just didn't pan out. And, and, and it's, it's easy for us then to just take offense at God. We stumble in our faith, and it, it affects us because we're hesitant to really throw ourselves in. Uh, we're hesitant to, um, to, to fulfill what he's called us to do because we're just not sure he's going to be there for us. Well, I can promise you that the problem isn't his. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a duh, you know, issue. It's not his, it's ours. But our perspective matters a whole lot. And this is where the big picture matters. Because if we understand what God is trying to accomplish in our lives, then we can learn how to navigate those disappointing times. But if we don't know what he's doing, it's easy for us to stumble and to take offense. So the question is, what is God doing? And the answer to that is, it's just, to me, it's, it's very strong. In Genesis 1.27 and 28, I want to read for you. Genesis 1.27 and 28 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What are the very first words that God spoke to the human race? Be fruitful and multiply. The very first words were be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Eve, when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, brought more or less a curse of unfruitfulness on the human race. And we tend to look at this, be fruitful and multiply, in the physical sense, like have lots of kids and you know, populate the earth. And there's an element of that. But if you, if you look a little more closely, you realize that he was also talking about spiritual fruitfulness. 
I'm not going to go there, but Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7 kind of lays that point out. But the nation of Israel, uh, the ancient nation of Israel, was rejected because they were spiritually unfruitful when God expected them to be fruitful. And so ever since the time when Adam and Eve violated God's trust by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Lord has sought to bring humanity back to a place of fruitfulness. And that is one of his highest priorities in any one of our lives. So what do we mean by that? What do we mean when we talk about fruitfulness? Well, there's a couple of things. First, in, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, 22 and 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what, what the Lord is trying to do is He is trying to conform us, every one of us, into the image of Christ that we would take on those characteristics, that they would become a part of who we are. Then what He wants to do is take what He does within us and multiply that influence in the lives of other people. So there's the process of being fruitful in the sense of quality, where there's a sweetness to the fruit, there's a sweetness to our lives, and, and every one of us has the same potential for that measure or that sweetness of fruit because it is the result of an abiding relationship with Jesus. We're not straining to try to become fruitful. We are walking with Him, and as we walk with Him, we become like Him. The multiplication of fruit is a little bit of a different story because the multiplication depends on other factors. It depends on our abilities and our gifts and the people we're connected to and, and hard work and technology. And so not everybody is going to have the same measure of multiplication, but everybody can have the same quality of fruit. And so God's goal for every one of us, every one of us, his highest goal is not that we would be comfortable, not that we would be happy, not that we would be secure, but that we would be fruitful. And if we understand that, that we recognize that everything that happens in life is intended to feed that process. One of the huge problems that we have is we live by a perspective of success that is based on what we can quantify, on what we can see. How big, how many, how much? Those are the questions that we talk about, we ask whenever we're talking about success. But fruitfulness is a different thing. You know, we can't, as humans, we cannot measure the process of fruitfulness. You know, if, you, if your life impacts somebody else's life, uh, you can't measure that. Your prayers can change somebody's life in another nation. You can't measure that. And so only God can measure the process of fruitfulness. But if our focus is strictly on success, then something like disappointment will derail us. But if it's on fruitfulness, then we recognize and we believe that God is at work even if we don't see the numbers going the way that we think that they should. Does this make sense so far? So the, the point I want to make is that everything we go through is intended to help us become fruitful. And adversity is part of the process. I, I wish I could stand here and say to you that you know, uh, we grow fruitful through warm, sunny days. And there are those. But the truth is that there are days when there's snow uh, that comes down to nitrogenate the soil. There are days when it rains. There are days when it's windy and it's cold. And, uh, you know, they are also part of the process. 
And so if we recognize this, then we can see that disappointment is one of the adversities that helps us to become fruitful in our service to God. So let's talk about how we process disappointment in a way that honors the Lord. I want to share for you, uh, I want to just read from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this is uh, Paul's letter to his young pastor, Timothy. It's the last letter that we have from Paul, and this is the last chapter of the last letter that we have from Paul. And so he's saying, he's leaving some wisdom with Timothy that's really powerful. And it's specifically to Timothy, but I think there are some things here that Paul teaches that have a universal application that really, they ministered to me, and I think that they'll help you. So I want to read uh, verses 1 through 18 from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes, and he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside the myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also all who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him to you, with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas and Carpus, with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I know there's a lot there. What I want to do is I just want to highlight five keys that, that I picked up from Paul in how he dealt with this issue of disappointment. The first one is from verse 5. He says, endure hardship. Endure hardship. I don't know how this happened, but somehow we bought into, many of us, maybe not all of us, many of us bought into a myth that if you ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, that life is going to be smooth sailing. Anybody ever think that way? That, man, if you just pray this prayer, everything's going to be better. Your life is going to be better. Everything's going to go well. And that's not always the case. Uh, as a matter of fact, Paul and, and Jesus himself let us know that there will be hardship as we walk with him. But I think part of the problem is that we don't think that hardship is going to be really hard. 
You know, if God's in it, it might be difficult, but it's not going to be really hard. Well, read a little bit about Paul and his his adventures. And, you know, he was he was to the point where he was exasperated. Like I I, I had nothing within me. I, I it was almost too much for me to bear, was the type of the statements he was making in, in his letters to the Corinthians. And so when we when we endeavor to walk with the Lord or to accomplish his plans and purposes. There are times when it is going to be really difficult. I'm not saying all of life is like that, but there will be times, and it will be more difficult than we think that it should be. The the Greek word for endure hardship means to suffer misfortune or afflictions. And I think that what Paul was communicating to Timothy was that when we go through those difficulties, when we go through those afflictions and those struggles, that it's vital that we do so in a way that honors the Lord. That's the key, is that we honor Him. And it's not a, it's not a stretch to say that disappointment is a form of hardship. And that's we're going to hit here and, and see some of the disappointments that Paul faced in a minute. One of the most challenging things, I think, for me with disappointment is when I have given everything that I could give to a situation and it still didn't work out the way that I wanted it to work. I've had times, and I'll, I'll just give you a couple um, or one. When, when we started this ministry, we had a vision to accomplish something. And uh, we began by putting together a video series on identity. And we, I mean, we invested over a year, 14, 16 months of work and thousands of dollars and and just lots of prayer and fasting and everything to produce this. And it turned out well, but we were never able to promote it to any degree of success. And the disappointment that set in at that point was almost overwhelming. And I I had a choice as to what I was going to do. You know, do I do I just pack it all in and say I'm going back to the, you know, uh, what I was doing before? Or do I do something else? Or, you know, it was a really difficult time because I had given it everything that I knew to give and it still didn't go the way that I expected it to go. And I think that almost all of us can probably have situations like that where we prayed for something or for someone, we invested in a relationship and, and we, we just gave everything to it And it still didn't work the way that we thought it should work. And those are the times that we're really tempted to stumble over God because we feel like he let us down, like he didn't do what we expected him to do. But my point is that those things are going to happen. Thankfully, everything isn't like that. But there will be those situations. And if we learn how to navigate them in in a right way, in a way that honors the Lord, those situations will actually help us to grow, to become more fruitful, and to be more effective in doing the things that the Lord has called us to do. Which leads us to the second point, uh, which is to fight the good fight. Or really, the good fight of faith is what Paul was talking about. One of the most difficult battles that we will face as Christians is the fight against unbelief the temptation to despair, the temptation to think that maybe God is not faithful, to think that maybe he doesn't have my back, that he isn't really with me the way that he says that he does. Now, when we look at Paul's life, we have the, the, the you know, opportunity or the privilege, the benefit of looking back and seeing the fruit. I mean, how many billions of people have been impacted by Paul's ministry? 
But have you ever thought about how he saw it at that time when he wrote this letter to Timothy? I mean, he, he planted some churches. He saw people come to the Lord. But things never really panned out the way that Paul expected them to pan out. I mean, he faced a lot of struggle and a lot of adversity. Uh, he, there was a ton of opposition. He mentioned to Alexander the coppersmith. How many times did he get stoned, uh, beat up, shipwrecked? All these things in his service to God. He felt it was a disappointment of people letting him down. But what Paul didn't do was stumble over the Lord. Paul found a way to trust God in the midst of his struggles, and that is where the battle lies for many of us. He fought the good fight of faith. See, disappointment will either foster growth in our lives when we respond with faith, or it will stymie growth in our lives when we sink into the world of unbelief. Habakkuk 2.4 is a verse that really should be central to our theology, and if it isn't, it needs to be. Habakkuk writes, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. The righteous will live by faith. There is never a season when you can forgo living by faith. Now, as an American, this doesn't sit well with me. You know what I like? I like comfort. I like security. I like predictability. Uh, I like things to go the way that I want them to go. Living by faith, not so much. You know, that makes me uncomfortable. That means that I've, I've, I've got to actively do something uh, to process the difficulties and the struggles of life. We had a, uh, a pastor of our church once, years ago, and he was, he was just talking about when he and his wife had first gotten married, and they were young in ministry, and they were really struggling, and they didn't have two nickels to rub together, and you know, eating peanut butter sandwiches and, and stuff, and having trouble paying their bills, and, and he, as he talked about it, you know, he said, you know, and God met us in so many ways during that, se- that season. It was so difficult. It was so... Uh, frustrating in some ways, but God met us and God provided in amazing ways. And then he stopped and he got quiet and he said, I never want to live that way again. (laughs) And I thought, neither do I. But that's a life of faith. And and I'm not saying it's all going to be finances. It can be, there's a whole bunch of different issues in life, relationships and identity and uh, service and work and ministry. I mean, there's so many issues But we are called to live by faith. That is the Christian life. And that is how we grow fruitful when we fight the good fight of faith, when we live by faith. But we buck against that because we we expect that if I have to be active in my faith, that maybe it just isn't God working the way that he should. But God is working because he's challenging us. Peter wrote that the proof of our faith is more precious than gold. Think about that. More precious than gold. What happens when... Do you guys have the Powerball around here? Lottery? What happens when the Powerball gets up into the millions and millions of dollars? Hundreds of millions of dollars. People line up on the convenience stores, don't they? Can you imagine people lining up that like that to say, I want faith? Because I see faith as being more valuable than, than winning the lottery. Isn't that what Paul's saying? 
that faith is more faith is more valuable. The proof of our faith is more valuable than, than winning the lottery. To put it in our perspective. See, we tend not to think that way. And the problem it creates is that we stumble when things don't go the way that we think that they should. And instead, sometimes God just, and I, I don't understand it, but sometimes He allows those seasons of disappointment or those exper- experiences of disappointment so that we can revitalize our faith and become re-energized in our trust for Him. If we don't recognize this, we will stumble. We will not respond to disappointment in a way that honors the Lord. Number three, identify and work through your disappointments. I don't know that Paul did this intentionally, but he he showed us a pattern. I don't know that he was thinking I'm going to identify and work through them, but he listed several of his disappointments in this passage. Uh, One of them in verse 10, he says, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Can you sense the disappointment in his voice there, in his tone? Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. I thought sometimes that I'd like to write a chapter in a book, whatever happened to Demas. Because if you follow that name through the New Testament, you will find that he was a companion of Paul on several different occasions that Paul mentions his name as a fellow co-worker. And so you can only imagine that Paul had invested in him the way he had in Timothy and Titus and, and some others. But he hit a point where, where Demas abandoned him. And that word in the Greek can be translated as abandoned. And so he was probably heartbroken about that. He was struggling to process it. But what he was doing was he was identifying the source of disappointment and he was bringing it in a sense before the Lord. With, um, with my personality and the type of work that I do, lots of time tedious work in front of a computer editing and writing, it's very easy for me to have down days. It's just I've got to be careful uh, with that. And uh, there was a a day in particular a few months ago where I just found myself having a a day that just was down, really down. And uh, the next morning I woke up and it hadn't changed. And so I was just, I had my morning devotional time and I was praying. I said, Lord, I'm I'm kind of discouraged here. And I, to be honest, I don't even know why. Can you show me what's going on? And, and he began to bring to my mind a series of situations that had happened over the past several months uh, that just did not go the way that I had hoped them to go. And every one of them had a negative emotion to it. And they had just been kind of building up. And so what I did was I took the time and I just identified what they were and I prayed them through and I brought them to the Lord and I... I actually fell asleep. Um, Maybe that's why they won't give me a church, because real pastors don't fall asleep. I don't know. Uh, But when I woke up, I felt better. You know, that that God had touched me. And so I I think there's a pattern here that Paul, Paul had was identify the things that let you down. Instead of just sweeping them under the carpet... Instead of just saying, well, you know, it's fine, I'm, I'm okay, everything's better. If it's bothering you, sit down and work it through. Pray it through. Talk to somebody to work it through. Do something, but don't just sweep it under the carpet.
How can we process our disappointments if we don't identify what they are? And sometimes the, the, the fruit doesn't always look like the root. You know, um, for an example, in this situation with Demas, Paul could have really become bitter. And then maybe you've had times where you've had bitterness in your heart and, or maybe just a cynical outlook towards life and you, you don't really know how you got there. But if you take a step back and you, you identify and say, well, you know, what happened was this person made a promise and they failed to deliver on the promise and I've just never quite gotten over that. And so you take that to the Lord, you learn how to process by faith, and in some situations, you've got to learn how to forgive. And that's what he did, verse 16. He said, may it not be counted against them. So again, we see Paul practically working this out in a healthy way. Now number four, I've got two more here and I'm going to... Number four, seek wisdom. Paul told uh, Timothy to bring the books and the parchments. And what, what that indicates to me is that Paul was constantly learning. We know that by his writings, that he was constantly learning and seeking after the Lord. When we go through adverse experiences, it is an opportunity for us to learn more about the ways of God, to learn more about ourselves, and an opportunity to see a new revelation of who he is. And, and so one of the key things that we can do in a situation is say, Lord, teach me. Show me. Give me understanding. One of the things that I think is, is really helpful is to look for patterns in our lives. Have you ever found yourself saying, why does this always happen to me? I'm sure somebody in this room has said that. Why does this always happen to me? Uh, what I have found is that there are times when we go through something God is trying to accomplish something in our lives, and we don't know what he's doing. And so we keep failing at the test because we don't know what's going on, and we don't know how to respond to it. If you look at Paul's life, uh, I see a pattern, and that pattern is that people let him down. Here, here was the Apostle Paul accomplishing, trying to accomplish one of the most amazing ministries ever that was going to have such a huge impact on the world, it seemed impossible to him. And time and time again, people let him down in the process. There were different times. You know, he wrote to the Philippians and said, only you stood with me. Here he says, only Luke is with me. Paul experienced times of abandonment. Even while the Lord was seeking to do something powerful through Paul, he was seeking to do something powerful in Paul. And those two go hand in hand. He does something powerful within us, and then he does something powerful through us. The internal takes place, and it influences the external. And Paul learned to look to the Lord when others had abandoned him, rather than becoming bitter or rather than stumbling over his faith. Is there something that the Lord's trying to teach you? See, God has designed life. He's designed a pattern for our lives that is really amazing and powerful. But it is up to us to seek an understanding of how that pattern works and how to align our lives with that pattern. And there's a part that God plays and there's a part that we play. We cannot design that pattern. He designs the pattern. He is the architect. We seek wisdom and we align our lives. He will not do those things for us. 
He will not seek Himself for your benefit. Okay? He commands us to seek His face, to seek His wisdom, to seek His understanding. And so our job is to seek an understanding, and then as we learn, we align our lives according to what we learn. And when we do that, the Lord does amazing things in and through us. But that's the part that we play. And if we miss that, again, we're going to stumble. We're going to struggle with it. Then number five, persevere and allow God to write the end of your story. He says, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. See, Paul let the Lord write the end of his story. You know, for us as humans, one of our huge struggles is control. It goes with the faith issue. We want to be in control. We want to dictate how everything works out. We want to make it go according to our plans. But what the Lord did was he gave Paul, or, or what Paul did was he gave the Lord the freedom to write the end of his story. When we talk about faith, it can just as easily mean faithful when you translate the word. And so when we are a people of faith, we are faithful to walk with the Lord, to walk in obedience, and to stand on His promises. And sometimes I think that the most, uh, the most significant answers to prayer come at the end of the road. And actually, I think that one of the, the biggest... Um, what's the word I want to use? Sometimes I think the key to being fruitful as a Christian is simply to keep going when everyone else quits. To keep trusting, to keep believing, to keep doing the things that you know God has called you to do. You know, I've, I've got some, some people who were my contemporaries in ministry who started uh, doing something similar to what I'm doing about the same time that, that I started, and they're no longer in the picture. Because they had the struggles, they had the disappointments, they felt let down, and they did not process it in a way that honored God. They did not continue to believe. They stumbled. And they're no longer doing it today. I know, I know we struggle with thinking that, that, well, this guy's in ministry, he should have it all together or whatever. The truth is, we deal with the same things. And I think that sometimes the secret is just that you just keep going. You keep going and you give God the freedom to write the end of your story. You know, I don't care what you're going through. You're going through it. You are not to the end of it. And it's not over until it's over. And sometimes it's at the very end that God breaks through and does something amazing. And so our, our call, our task is simply to be faithful until we hit that point. One of the things that we need to get in this is that your story is not just about you. It's not just about you. When you sign on the dotted line, so to speak, to become a Christian, you become His, and your life becomes clay in His hands for His plans and for His purposes. And there are times when the Lord will allow His people to go through some really difficult times for the benefit of others. You know, Ben mentioned my, my book, Champions in the Wilderness, that had impacted him. That book came out of one of the most difficult seasons of my life. I mean, it was really, 
I, I don't have the time to tell the story, but it was a really long, difficult season. And I've had multiple testimonies of people whose lives have been deeply impacted by that book. There's a pattern there. And I, speaking prophetically here this morning for you as a church, you've got something going here, okay? I, I come in and a church isn't about the structure, it's about the life of God being present. And the life of God is present in this place. And this community needs the life of God that is present within all of you. And one of the keys to, to taking that life and bringing it into the community is not so much resting with the leadership as it is with the rank and file, so to speak. It's with, with those of you that consider yourselves to be average, ordinary people, knowing that God is at work in your lives. And He is doing something within you, and He wants to take what He's doing within you and bring it into the community. And part of that means that sometimes you're going to go through disappointments you're going to go through struggles. You're going to go through hardships that the Lord wants to take and use to touch the life of somebody else, a coworker, a neighbor, a classmate. I don't know. It could be anybody. It's his plan. It's not ours. But the key for us is that we learn how to navigate those situations in faith, trusting the Lord, loving the Lord, believing that he's at, the, at work. And when we come out on the other side, we recognize that God has done something powerful and amazing. Does this make sense? It's, it's a lot like giving birth to a baby. Now, personally, I've never done that, so I can't attest exactly how painful that is, but I, I hear it hurts a lot, okay? Uh, but once that child is brought into this world, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And I can say that with the struggles that I have gone through. In the midst of it, sometimes, it is miserable it's painful it's discouraging it's nerve-wracking but when you get to the other side and you see God begin to touch somebody's life with eternal influence you think to yourself I would never want to do it any other way it's all worth it and sometimes the key is just to get our eyes off of ourselves and realize that not everything that you go through is about you you are his servant. And there are times when he will allow you to struggle because he wants to do something powerful and fruitful through your life. Your disappointment can mean life for somebody else. I want to close with a um, few verses from Romans chapter 4. Paul's writing about Abraham, who is the father of our faith. And the, the thing about Abraham is that he grew strong in faith through the midst of his struggle. Not when everything got better. It was when, he, when, when, when the prayer wasn't answered, when the promise wasn't answered, Abraham grew strong in faith. And that's a pattern that I think every one of us needs to find. That we grow strong in God's Word, in God's truth, as we're in the midst of our struggles. Uh, verses 18 to 21, Romans 4. It says, In hope against hope he believed that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he com contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, 
giving glory to God, being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. I don't know all of you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what struggles. I can pretty much guarantee that many of you have disappointments that you're either working through or that, you've, that are lingering and still affecting you. And I'm telling you that those are opportunities for you to grow fruitful. Those are opportunities for you to, to dig into the Word of God, to stand on God's promises, to proclaim His faithfulness, to look to Him and to believe that He's going to work through them. And you will grow strong in the process, you will grow fruitful in the process, and that lives will be changed as a result of what He does. It's a really good plan, folks. It's an amazing plan. But we play a role in seeking to understand what he's doing and then aligning our lives accordingly. So as, as we close the service, I want to just give an opportunity if anybody would like to come for ministry. Has uh, any of what I've said struck a nerve with you? Maybe some of you have stumbled. Maybe you're stumbling right now over disappointment. Maybe you, you feel like somebody has really let you down or maybe the Lord's let you down. Um, Maybe you've become bitter. Maybe you've been confused by it all. Maybe uh, you see some kind of a pattern in your life that's frustrating. Um, maybe you're just wrestling with these things. And, and what we're going to do is just open up the altar. We're going to have some of the leaders come to pray. And it's an opportunity for you to process the struggles, to bring them out. But I'm believing this morning that the Lord is going to bring breakthrough in some of our lives. Some of us that have, that have really... Uh, wallowed in, in pity or, or struggled in our faith or, or, or just been um, spinning our wheels, that this is an opportunity for us to catch hold and, and to regroup and to take a step forward. I'm telling you, folks, there's something really powerful the Lord wants to do through you and in this community. And so let's give him the opportunity to do that. So if we could come, uh, we'll, we'll pray for you all.